Hey there, welcome to Sass Unbound, brought to you by Sass Group. I'm your host, Anna Dana, and this is the show where we chat with inspiring founders and experts to get an inside scoop on how they made their business a success. Today with me is Raphael Alstadt, co-founder and CEO of TLDV, the medium recorder that transcribes and summarizes your calls with customers, prospects, and your team. They raised over $4 million in 2022 and are constantly working on bringing new features features to the product and more possibilities to the remote teams. It's absolutely awesome to have you here, Raphael. Yeah, thank you for inviting me. I, I love your show. I have watched a couple of episodes, so really, really, <laughs> really, really glad to be here and hopefully share some interesting learnings with the audience that helps them bring their businesses further in some form or shape. Right. And, uh, you know, from what I've researched about you in TLDV, you do have some very interesting learnings to share. And uh, I've got to be honest, I've uh, used TLDV for some time and absolutely loved it. It's just so uh, intuitive and so simple. Just, you know, my favorite, like one button tool. Uh, so <laughs> thank you for, for creating a great product. So um, I guess, my, well, my first question will be about your your background and how you um, came to building TLDB in the first place. Sure, actually, I was I was born not too far from SaaS Group's headquarters, if you say so. Like I'm from from Aachen, Germany. Uh, I think SaaS Group is in, in Cologne mostly, right? Um, or, or has a lot of, has a good base in Cologne. Right. Um, and uh, yeah, basically grew up in a technical city with the RWTH. So my mom used to work in a university. So, so that was always inspiring um, for me. Um, I then also essentially like studied rather technically. Uh, so I, I majored in um, geophysics and um, yeah, just kind of loved hard problems. And then, you know, over that, I started having actually the first kind of, you know, outside of the box ideas that uh, were super naive at the time. So um, I founded an asynchronous video collaboration startup during my studies with my um, school friend, Carlo, who is now also our COO at TLDV. And, you know, it wasn't really compatible, my background and, and the startup world. So then after, after a few months of learning, I realized I, I need to fund this journey somehow and get more expertise. So I went uh, into the um, marketing sector of Burger King in, in, in the digital department in Zurich, where I worked for a few years, funded a few startup ideas out of the pocket. Nothing really got to product market fit, but we learned a lot um, on the way. I think the red line through our entire journey as founders is that we're really passionate about video and asynchronous communication. So the first app that we've done was kind of a Reddit for videos. So you could like leave timestamp video replies on top of videos and you could expand them and reply on top of that. And it was like these crazy video chains. We launched it as a social app, got some traction, but then actually like as we were a remote founding team, we realized, oh, look, we have so many meetings. What's actually happening with those? Are they recorded? Are they shared? And then essentially we started to look at the use case in B2B, B2C for meetings. Um, and that's when TillDV was found. We had the idea really a few months before COVID happened. We had no product at that time. And we kind of stumbled into our first pre-seed race on the verge of COVID with no product. Um, we raced with Seedcamp, Mustard Seed Maze early on. And um, since then, we're we're building, learning, and uh, 
kind of stuck pretty much to the same vision, make meetings more efficient by surfacing the insights to those that need to see it, even without having joined any meeting at all. Um, and that's what we're currently doing. Cool. Okay. Well, and first of all, kudos to your mom, because, you know, usually when you hear, you know, my mom's a teacher or my, my dad's a teacher, uh, it's considered like uncool, but it inspired you. So uh, it's really great. Um, okay. So uh, you were in, in this kind of space, you had like this very uh, healthy, sustainable way to get to the place where you're at right now. Um, cause, um, I also, I talked with, uh, Rand Fishkin about, uh, like, what would you do if you needed to, to launch a product? And he'd say, well, you know, if I was at the beginning, I would go and work somewhere and get experience. And that's like a very kind of old school approach right now. Everyone wants to just launch in a week. Right. So you did it, uh, very differently. Okay. And, uh, you said you raised the first funds without having a product. Well, uh, was it that much easier back then or, uh, were you just like so passionate and you used your network that it worked for you? Yeah, that's an interesting, like, I think we were just incredibly lucky, um, because we had no network. We had no sort of tool set to make a great pitch and, and kind of like make the FOMO or, or anything like that. It was really lucky because, um, I think it, they liked us essentially as a founding team and they saw that we bring in a lot of energy and enthusiasm and a lot of na naivety as well, a naive, <laughs> naiveness. Um, and you know, we didn't even have a website. We didn't have a product. We just had this, this crazy vision. But what really, really helped was also, of course, the timing, you know, like at that time, the, the first COVID was, was going up. Everybody was like, okay, how do we do this remote work? And that's, I think, you know, the personal, like enthusiasm about the founding team and the timing was, was convincing enough. Uh, so we were incredibly lucky, but definitely it's to say that when we raised our first round, the venture market was in this crazy hype cycle. So we've kind of just had this two years reference frame now as founders, where it was all about raise more, raise more, hire fast, uh, you know, like uh, don't care about revenue. And uh, this is completely changing now. And it's a quite new experience for us as well. But luckily us as founders, we've always kind of been very aligned with sustainable businesses. So um, it was always something that we said, okay, let's, let's definitely raise, let's take advantage of the market, but let's build something sustainable with a close core team and and build things that, that truly scale and so we also had even before the market crashed strong monetization plans despite many mentioning to us okay guys like probably you should just go on user acquisition don't care about revenue until series a if we would have followed that we would probably be dead by now so yeah right okay so again you you used a very uh sustainable uh, strategy to this. All right. And, uh, then you raised another round, right? So the first round, like you said, it was about your enthusiasm and, uh, how maybe naive and, uh, optimistic you were about the idea. Um, what was, um, important when you were raising the second round? So, um, what were investors looking for and did you go to any new investors or you just went to the ones um, that already funded you and asked for, for another round. Yeah. So for the, for the seed round, we essentially, because we had 
only very early stage, kind of like focused on, on pre-seed phase um, investors. So when we raised the seed round um, in 2022, uh, we essentially approached a kind of new, um, um, yeah, like league of, of, of VCs focused on that, on that space uh, for seed. And um, we definitely had some favorites and we were very lucky to, to raise with really great funds. So we, we, we onboarded K-Fund and, and Chilling, for example, in, in that round. Um, and uh, some really cool angels like Oscar, CEO of Glovo, for example. So really, really helpful hands-on folks. Um, and you know what got us to this stage? I think there's probably three things important. So the first one is obviously like we, we've proven we can execute uh, and build the product according to the needs. So like retention was definitely like a core driver of this round. So we were able to show that people are not only using it once, but it's actually a sticky product. Um, the second thing I think is uh, the fact that we are able to, with very few budget, acquire users as well. So like we definitely, um, we have this underdog mentality, like it, at TLDV overall, we have, we kind of rethink in marketing a lot and we're trying channels that maybe other startups wouldn't cover. And then actually we are getting quite good at it, I would say. And that brought us a lot of buzz. So for example, we were, um, we won a Golden Kitty Award on Product Hunt in that year, you know, for, for uh, the product and the, the marketing around it. Um, and these kind of things were on top of the retention of the core product also important because we could show that we can acquire users um, and convince them to use TLDV. And I think the third part is definitely the founding team and the vision and that we're not here for a short run, but actually we want to build a long-term strong company. And um, so part of that was really of the seed round was to really focus on a core vertical and that's what we've done. And I think that's, that's the kind of three elements why we were successful to raise that round. Right. Okay. Uh, let's talk a little bit about product hunt because uh, there are a lot of um, controversial uh, views on product hunt. Someone say, you know, it's, it's the best tool, uh, the best platform for, for early stage startups, you know, and then um, sometimes even older products that, you know, are making a comeback still use Product Hunt because they have established their own audience there for some time ago. So people remember them and love them there. Uh, and some say, you know, it's good for early adopters and like getting the first kind of traction, but then it just messes up your metrics, you know, because people are not maybe completely in the know what the product is about. They just want to try. So they're just first adopters you want to, they want to try everything that's available on the market. So what did product hunt do to you and uh, how uh, golden kitty or, you know, establishing an audience there help in your growth? Yeah, I think that's a great question. And I can see that for some, like, for example, I was, um, we often approach for product hunt, like launch advice from early stage founders and, that, like there was a wide mix of founders asking for for feedback. For example, founders of a pets uh, focused app, and uh, some on on civil engineering almost. And then, like I think you know, like depending on your market, product hunt is is good or bad. Um, but I can only speak in experience on the on the software market per se in SaaS. So this is what I focus my answer on. Um, where I think product hunt is probably the best uh, platform for for that vertical. Um, and now for us, so, you know, we launched the first time kind of two years ago and um, it was tremendous for us because, uh, yeah, like 
basically after that, um, we got a, a name in the early stage um, founder and like early adopters community for sure. But I think it was a mix of, you know, our, a great product, but also a brand that is launching behind it and marketing materials that were built for virality. So we kind of used Product Hunt as a launch pad to get some early engagement that could then, with the shareable content on social media, get us into the next layer of the algorithm and be exposed to more people beyond product hunt. And I think that's what uh, a lot of early stage founders are sort of missing. They're kind of expecting the launch to do the work, but it's sort of just like the launch pad sort of, and then you need to have things that make it go viral beyond that. And it's incredibly hard on product hunt to do. And I think like, for example, like now we had a few companies that kind of copy our launch video as well, and it didn't go viral. So like, it's, it's a very, like you can do it once and then the early stage community remembers and then it doesn't make sense to copy it. It's very hard to stand out there. Um, and yeah, so I would say, and especially recently, I feel that due to the AI hype, I feel like there is a bit of a saturation in terms of product hunt as well. There's so many launching. I think people are kind of rooting for everyone and no one at the same time, sort of. Um, so I think it's not as good as it was to launch there. But it's worth noting that I think it's turning more into like a kind of G2 platform for early stage founders, I would say, you know, like, so Product Hunt now invests a lot of time into showing like a collection. Like, for example, we are in the collection of best meeting tools and we get actually quite some traffic from that. Or um, like a lot of people go to Product Hunt to check the reviews. So like on that side, it's still incredibly helpful for a launch without any kind of existing customer base, I think it lost a little bit of power if you don't add the marketing collaterals and kind of things through the virality beyond product hunt during the launch. Yeah. Right, right. I absolutely agree with you. Like if, if there is nothing to to support the launch, it's just probably going to to die there. Uh, but about virality, and when I was doing my research about TLTV, I stumbled upon your videos on TikTok and uh, I never had TikTok. I do now. Uh, because I just loved what you're doing there. I got hooked at, like for an hour. <laughs> I just, I think I watched all of them. So great job you're doing there, right? But uh, I think it's also maybe for, for a lot of founders, it's a great area in terms of it's, uh, it's entertainment, right? And a lot of people just go there, um, you know, to spend time, right? To binge on, on a few, um, videos, but of course, um, TikTok algorithms offer you whatever videos you have already watched, right? Based on your, so it, it personalizes the content for you. Um, how much traction are you getting from TikTok and how did you, uh, how do you work on converting people who come from TikTok and, uh, how did you, um, work on uh, basically making sure that it's not just for entertainment, right? People actually come to use your product and, and buy subscription from TikTok. Yeah, that's, that's a great question. So I think, you know, that's also why so few early stage founders go into that channel because you need an incredibly long shot at it um, for it to work, right? Like, so first of all, getting into the algorithm and getting the initial growth and user base is not guaranteed at all. It's actually like quite hard to do. Um, and second of all, now how then, if you manage to do it, is it actually converting? How can you even attribute that? Uh, and, and so on. So like the first thing I think worth noting is that um, 
TikTok and Instagram itself are definitely the seat for it in the sense that like the, the one person from your company will see it. But if you make the content relevant, actually the next destination of that video is the company internal Slack channel um, where they have and one of the biggest engagement drivers in a company is the humorous content right next to the day-to-day -day work and it's incredibly important for teams. So this is sort of where TLDV then ends up actually. And like, if you look at like, we, we, we've recently gone like quite viral on um, on a video on Instagram where we had like, I think by now like 7.5 million views and it's really about product and customer success and so on. And the top like comment with like 15,000 likes is like trying to decide if posting this to Slack gets me fired or actually that gets the laughs um, in my company Slack. And, and it just shows like so many people are doing that. And that's where essentially the conversations get started. That's where like, hey, actually, by the way, they do like a cool product. You have your entire team there with a very positive first brand experience. Um, and so, you know, the tracking of that is incredibly hard from a kind of analytics perspective. Um, you have obviously the link in bio clicks, but then again, those people might share it to Slack very often where the multiplier is huge. And then how do you track those people that then go to Google? So what we do is we track Google trends uh, a lot and brand searches, um, which by the way, is not trivial with TLDV because of the name. So we need to add like all the convert like TL, TL double dot uh, DV, TL space DV and so on. And we start to see like a, a, a good lift in, in brand awareness. Um, and also why it works so well for, our, and by the way, we also hear it, from so many customers all the time like hey we, we found you on TikTok initially so so that it's working we know it um and the other thing is um it's important to notice that uh down the road i think the scale of that is really really important because like the more your audience has and you own this channel like the more like the lower your cac will become so like i wouldn't be too focused on making every dollar count in the initial year of your channel. That's why I mentioned you need to have the long shot. You kind of really need to have this big conviction into the channel. And then later down the road, it will get very obvious. Yeah. Right, right. I think uh, we, we do have the same approach to to the podcast and viralities may not be what we're looking for, in the, at least in the first year, right? And uh, if 30 founders look at us and then a couple comes to uh to see if we can acquire them you know boom that's you know job exactly well. and right. one, one one thing to add on this as well is like i think like a lot of the great like that's my personal opinion i cannot really back this up with like uh, you know years of experience in the industry but i think if we try to measure everything and put an roi on it i think we're losing a lot of potential upside down the road where we actually just need to believe in it so for example um it, and it doesn't work for all products, right? But uh, in, a, in a case like TLDV, I'm very convinced that absolutely every company in the next 10 years will record, transcribe and summarize their meetings with, with some of the vendors out there because it's just it just makes so much sense and it's such an efficiency driver. Um, and so like, which tool will they turn to, right? The one that they've seen countless times and got laughs about, like this is probably the first one that is familiar that they give it a shot. Um, and I think the same is true, true for you, right? Like, and so I feel like it's very important to score a positive first impression with people. And if the, if you manage to do that, they will remember you. And that's why I think, um, we need to be patient with results in that case, because they might come later and through other channels. Um, and, and so, yeah, I agree with your strategy a lot as well. Content in the end and positive impressions is what, what really matters. 
looking for new ways to find customers for your SaaS business, consider adding an affiliate or customer referral program. Rewardful is the easiest affiliate tracking platform to set up, manage, and scale for SaaS companies. Log your customer acquisition cost and only pay based on results. Integrate Rewardful with your Stripe or Paddle account and set up your affiliate campaigns in minutes. Rewardful automatically tracks referrals, calculates commissions, handles upgrades and downgrades all seamlessly in the background, whether you sell one-off purchases or recurring subscriptions. Companies like Podia, Copy.ai, Barometrics, Synthesia, and many, many more are already using Rewardful to add that sweet, sweet MRR to their businesses. Sign up now at Rewardful.com for a free 14-day trial and turn your biggest fans into your best marketers. Right, right. And uh, yeah, it's easy to to get frustrated like in the first like months because you feel like, oh no, I've been putting so much work into it. Uh, but then, yeah, once you like kind of pass that stage, it, you know, it gets better uh, and bigger. So, okay. Uh, and uh, I've read your um, interview. I think that was Seed Camp. Uh, where you were talking about um, SEO as well. Uh, and um, there you said that you turn to that viral and more of a like a transactional kind of content because you, you realize that SEO just takes too much time. And because you're a new brand, you know, it's just you have no trust, no. Um, go so Google doesn't know you, right? It doesn't, it's not going to index you very well. So uh, what about now? Because uh, again, I've seen your website, a lot of blog posts and, and great ones too. Like you talk about the trends, you talk about how to use TLDV. Um, what does it do for you now? That's a great um, That's a great point. I actually love to give an update on that. So um, yes, when we when we spoke with Cam, it was a bit, bit earlier. And I think we've actually seen now, especially in the recent few months, a great pickup um, on SEO finally as well. Um, this is a mix of more backlinks that are coming in um, that increase the kind of domain authority that we have, but also just like experience with what lands with the audience, what kind of writing style do we have. So we build up a lot of confidence with the humorous um tone of voice on TikTok and then kind of brought it to the blog as well. And then um, we actually used the TikToks and, and um, Instagrams and repurposed them on the blog as well, um, which is kind of adding to that and it keeps people more engaged and then it helps us rank higher. Um, and so I think by now we are more and more confident about SEO. So we're growing right now, I think 20, 30% month over month in, in, in that channel with the leads it generates for us, which is pretty powerful. Um, so my conviction definitely has increased in the channel, but like, I just feel, you know, you need to be able to find this one edge and then kind of build up from there. Um, and it can be your block, but then also, again, you need a very long, uh, shot at it, or you use a channel that already works and kind of drive it. Maybe you have a community. Okay. Drive these leads to your blog a lot, and then it will help you rank. Maybe you have Instagram and TikTok drive these people there. So as soon as you've cracked one channel, the other ones will get easier and it compounds um, more faster over time. Um, yeah, and that's that's right. kind of where we're at with SEO at the moment. Perfect. Okay, and uh, on TikTok, um, you have an influencer working with you, right? You, you um, so you kind of. Uh, engaged in the same uh, strategy as uh, Taplu and Twit Hunter. They they found 
uh, an influencer on Twitter, and you found one on TikTok.、Uh, how did you do it? Did you just you know approach quite a few and then just、uh, just waited for for one to reply, or you just were persistent with one person that you really loved and you know that resonated and could definitely speak to the brand that you're building? Yeah, so we have two two creators in, at TLDV, and actually one is kind of、um, like leading the the, the social side since、uh, almost one and a half years, actually. So he's 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 part of the team, and more and more Ian as well, actually. Like, so we we have it's funny on TikTok, the TikTok audience loves Ian much more. Well, not loves, but like it it, it reacts more, and it goes tendency has to go more viral. And Instagram with with Tom, it's quite interesting.、Um, Yeah, that's a good. That's a good point. I I feel like first of all, if you engage in something like that,、um, it needs to be natural for your brand. So we were very picky about who is fitting to TLDV at large, and、um, it to be honest didn't like we didn't have like a huge list. We knew who we wanted, and we were persistent and said, hey, like you know, maybe consider it and and so on. And then it it worked,、um, and we were very lucky. Like they're both. Amazing and and like very close to the company in general. It's not like a influencer relationship. Like they're part of the of the squad、uh, essentially. And、um, so yeah, I think persistency matters and like finding this right person that really speaks to your audience and is is like kind of representing your brand well is I think super super important. I loved how you said it's not just a company and influencer relationship; it's part of the team now. Absolutely,、uh, they even have stock in the company, right? So,、um, like, it's not it's not that it's.、Um, I think it needs to be really authentic,、um, and、um, if it's not, then no one is going to really engage with you and and your company. That's true, right? So、uh, let's talk a little bit more about the the company and the company culture that you're building,、uh, right? So,、uh, how many people are now in TLDV? I think we're seventeen right now.、Yeah. Okay, all right, and、uh, you're fully remote. We're fully remote, yes. Okay, all right. So since you know you you built. This company with a huge belief in asynchronous work. Could you tell a bit more about the culture and how you're keeping everyone engaged and、uh, building this beautiful brand, and、uh, how your asynchronous work works? Absolutely. So,、um, since we were remote native, essentially, like we founded and we raised and we hired during the pandemic,、um, it is very natural for us and and. Everyone that we hired,、um, we paid a lot of attention to their kind of why,、um, to their reason for joining, and、um, we've hired folks that are incredibly excited to build something from zero to one and from one to ten.、Um, and and I think this is the the thing that really glues us together.、Um, the same the same motive behind it, like the same idea of how to build products. I think. Generally, the team is very, very aligned in that、uh, in that matter, and I think this is the most important thing. If you have people there for different reasons, so for example, someone is there because they're getting paid well, the other person is there because they want to build a great product. It's getting a little bit like there's clashes there, and and they don't feed off each other well. And we have this perfectly aligned.、Um, and、um, the other thing next to that is definitely asynchronous communication and full flexibility that we kind of have on top of that. So. You know the fact that you work on something you you really like and you believe in, but also you don't have to sacrifice your your personal life and where you live and when you work is also incredibly powerful.、Uh, 
Um, the third element is that we have like everyone in the company has ownership in, in TLDV. I think this is also really, really important to, to mention. Um, and we are very much, uh, async that's, that's very true. So we have meetings, uh, we have normal sprints where we plan together. We have uh, reviews and retros where we see what's going well, what's not. We have like, for example, optional poker events, uh, and we, we try to meet at least once a year was harder during the pandemic. Um, but we're very much async and I think for us, it really works and floats the boat. Um, and, uh, everyone I feel is, is quite happy about it. All right. So do you believe that, you know, there still should be meetings, even though they are recorded and, you know, you can do everything asynchronously, uh, people are still bound to, to have that, you know, real communication if they want to feel like a team. Yeah, I think there's no one fits all solution. I think it almost comes and goes in waves. So like, for example, we had a few projects recently where we said, okay, like I'm kind of out of touch. Um, and it was like a very experimental project. So we said, okay, let's have like a daily catch up, like every day, like this, this core team with the, the, the product team and the engineers get together every day. And then like some people said, oh, look, like these meetings are killing me right now. Like, and then we stopped again. And, and so like, I think there is no like playbook that works for every team and every company. So we allow a lot of flexibility within teams and even between individual people. Um, and so since we're small, we can definitely like, we don't have to have like a, a proper policy. My personal feeling is that actually most things can be solved um, asynchronously. And I prefer that actually, um, but people take different and for some people it's different. So I think the balance is, is yin and yang. I think the balance is the, is the key right. here. Um, and so, yeah, I think, I think we're letting it quite loose, but I would say like in total, I have probably a maximum of five meetings per week, maximum with anyone from the team and within the company. That's cool. Okay. And, uh, yeah, back to what you said about the compensation and the whole culture that you're building. I think that's also great. Not, um, I feel like a lot of times when, when founders talk about, uh, the culture that they're building, um, the conversation tends to steer towards the, um, benefits more, uh, than, um, than towards some core principles that, that, uh, that you have. So like, uh, I really liked how you mentioned that first people are being paid well and the work on something that they love. And I think that that should be a core principle and then flexible work hours and pizzas and retreats are kind of on top of that. And, um, back to incentives also huge fan. Uh, but again, I feel like incentives should be there if you can afford that, but they should definitely, definitely be not instead of the pay, but on top of it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Like, I think if someone feels that they have too much stake in the success of the company, it can lead to like a feeling of, um, of stress and resentment, you know, like if, if, if for example, one decision is, is, is made in a strategic perspective that maybe they not necessarily agree with. And, you know, if they feel like they're sacrificing their well-being right now for some future potential gain, I think that's also unhealthy. Obviously it needs to be all three, but independent from each other. So flexibility on where and when you work, um, good compensation and also of course uh, ownership, but we see ownership as something on top and not, not something as a substitute. Right. Right. It's, it's difficult to, to kind of put it in your head that you're the owner, but you're, you have no say in strategic decisions, right? So if you're 
like you said, if if you don't agree with them, well, you can't change anything. So it's kind of like, yeah. I don't know. It's very confusing. Exactly. And it's not like they definitely can, can a lot of times like really influence the, the decisions. We've made a lot of um, decisions where I was kind of like thinking, okay, probably like I would follow a different route. So we try to keep the balance here or, of like, you know, we have a lot of these discussions where we kind of like say, okay, I... I go with my gut feeling here. You go with your gut feeling here. And then we come back in two, two months and see what, what is going on. Um, but like, yes, if there's like this zero or one decision that the, the leader needs to take, like we want everyone to feel still okay with that and not like, oh, now I've worked my ass off for um, 30 bucks an hour for two years for this big ever return. And now I feel I'm, I'm not confident to get it. Like, so that's a situation we, we definitely want to want to avoid. We want people to feel happy and well-paid all the time. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Well, thank thank you for for saying that. that. Um, I want to go back a little bit uh, to to your customer acquisition and ask about the biggest customer acquisition channel. So, is it the virality, or or maybe it's word of mouth? Yeah, that's also really hard. Like, so like sometimes you can ask yourself, where's the word of mouth coming from? Like, where where's the start? Sure. You know, like. Yeah. Um, is it someone seeing it on TikTok and trying the product and using it with their company and suddenly we have 30 people using it from their company and then you have an interview with someone of them and you ask them, okay, how do you learn about TLDB? Yeah, someone was using it from my company before. It's like, okay, who was the first one? You know, and like you, you need to go back. So I feel generally um, we, are, we are not caring so much about the full percentage based attribution of where exactly the lead is coming from. We just try to care about um, the, the small signals along the way um, that we get in that journey. But I think, you know, the, the biggest one is for sure the, the product-led growth that we have within TLDB. So it's, it's, I mean, we are a product that records, transcribes and summarizes your meetings with AI. And it's it's just something that once one of your coworkers has, has it installed, um, most of the times, the immediately everyone that is participant of the meeting will actually get the summary and is like, oh, I need that too. How do you get it? And like yeah. next day, you know it, they're, they're signed up for the product too. So I think that's definitely the biggest channel. And um, that's also why we have a very, like I would say, generous freemium plan um, that we're iterating a lot on to give um, people the time to explore the product before they buy and like use it among the entire company. Right. That, that's how I got to use it the first time because uh, we had a meeting and one of, uh, of my colleagues used TLDB and it was like, okay, so what's that? And uh, we, we all started using it and it was free at the time. That was like long ago. Uh, and then it, um, so then we couldn't have the, the free version anymore. And we were like, well, we cannot live without it. So, you know, <laughs> just pay, <laughs> just pay the guy. <laughs> So yeah, awesome. Uh, absolutely uh, satisfied with that uh, great product. Uh, so what was, um, or maybe is still, the most difficult feature um, to maintain? From from what perspective? From the engineering side or from the customer? Um, let's do both. I, I'm because I'm not sure. <clears throat> sorry, sure. how how comfortable you are uh, answering like tech. Yeah, no, questions? definitely. Okay. Um, so the challenge of TLDV that we need to balance very carefully is the expectations that customers have towards transparency in remote work. 
while at the same time managing the need for individuals to have control over their, their data and privacy. Um, so, for example, um, you might think about Loom, right? So you, you, you record a Loom and you have a link that is automatically public, um, which means that everyone with the link can access it. Well, for meetings, you might not feel so comfortable about that because you want to essentially um, have a deeper control. So um, in that case, we are always trying to find the balance between what should be the general accessibility? How can we make it for, for people that want transparency to make it for the entire domain accessible by default versus for others, make it more private. And then like some people want it to be accessible for their customers automatically and for the others not. So like finding the right balance here and the right communication along that journey is a, is a very interesting product-led growth problem that we have and, and, and one I think that we have good answers for that we continue to iterate on. So like the other thing that we are heavily investing in, and I think this will become like from a technical perspective that will become like a huge competitive advantage down the road is we have our own infrastructure where we run everything on. So we're not on the cloud. We're actually um, having like our entire tag to record, to transcribe, etc. is all done essentially on, on premise uh, servers that we have. And um, I think that will like that is really helpful for a few reasons. The first one is it allows us to have low costs of goods sold essentially and good good margin on, on the recordings, which ultimately leads us to offer um, better plan for freemium for the customers as well. Um, and the other reason is like it will put us into a great position to uh, more and more satisfy the, the demands of especially higher like markets like Germany, where the the requirements are definitely harder, um, and we can we can offer like like services with with data protection outside the normal AWS uh, etc. service centers that, that that others are relying on. So so that's one thing that we've invested in um, quite a lot actually, um, and I think this will be a huge um, benefit moving forward for TLDV as well. Oh, that's interesting. Uh, so yeah, uh, since since you've seen some of the episodes, one was with uh, David Hanneman Hansen, who was talking about moving off of the cloud. And uh, interestingly, he said that it may not be uh, a good idea for smaller companies, you know, once but once you grow um, a bit bigger, then maybe it's a good idea to to get yeah. your own hardware. So uh, at what it, point it, did you decide to to do that? I think I think his point is right. Um, if your core offering is not fully dependent on AWS, but for us, I mean, we have infrastructure to record and transcribe meetings and do that in real time. So, like the, this component plays a huge role in TLDV, and it's an overproportionate cost factor for us as well. So like if your cloud costs are maybe, you know, 10K per month, um, you might not want to move away from it until it's it's growing to like 100K, you know? But like in our business, um, actually we've hit 100K in AWS monthly costs like more than a year ago already, you know? Like, so it was oh, a considerable wow. amount of money that we spent on it. So now that's why we kind of like really said, okay, Let's move away now. So I think it's not really the stage. It's like, what do you spend on it? How dependent are you on it? And now this is like a fixed cost for ours. So we can double the, the load of users, double the load of recordings, and our spendings will only marginally increase. Um, so it was making sense to do it earlier for our business. 
Okay. All right. That, that's pretty cool. Thank you. Thank you for elaborating. All right. Uh, well, I have a couple more questions. Uh, I have more, but uh, <laughs> uh, let's not drag this for two hours. Um, so uh, first one, the usual question, what's so far the biggest win and the biggest failure? Oh, wow. That's a... Oh. I think, to be honest, like reflecting more and more on it, I think the biggest win is to have a team that is deeply engaged in building this kind of back to back um, and, you know, everyone kind of focusing on, on their personal growth alongside of TLDV's growth um, and kind of like meeting together and like knowing we're all aligned in, in making this company succeed. And like this, this culture that we have around that, I think, is, is a not to be underestimated win. I really love our team um, and I'm super happy to, to be building it with them. Um, I think that's the, the biggest win. Biggest failure. It's so hard to say. Like um, Maybe a challenge, not a failure. Challenge. Um, so the one thing that is always interesting is the survivorship bias in any, in any company, in any founder advice and the sense of, like, oh, we should have invested in this tech depth earlier, or we should have like moved to this infrastructure earlier, or, you know, like all this kind of, and like navigating when to do something, especially that is not user facing directly, but it's more like internally, when to tackle this tech depth, you know, when to do that. Like, this is something that I always still struggle with and, and to find like a good answer. And I almost feel like nobody can give you like a good answer on it. It's like, it's a, it's a highly debated topic. So this is like an area that I want to develop more confidence in, I would say. Okay. All right. That makes sense. Okay. So um, the last one would be about trends, right? And you're already uh, in the whole AI industry. Uh, so is it... Um, you think something that is going to have major effect on businesses this year, or maybe there is something else that, you know, we're just all missing and uh, you think would have even, uh, even bigger effect. Yeah. So I think the first thing is when we started, like it was a case for virtual meetings, uh, COVID kind of made meetings virtual and like now the AI hype is kind of making a case for recording meetings, um, more and more. Um, because like there's just so much depth in there. I think the one thing that is like going to be very, very important is how you combine the AI to solve like meaningful problems that are not obvious potentially, um, but that are a very real time sucker for a lot of people. So um, in our case, this is really focused on um, the problems of those trying to understand their users and customers and drive company decisions in favor of those and ultimately in favor of increasing business success. Um, and so that's what we're really like building for. And that's kind of the personas we target. And in a year or so, this will get very, very obvious. So we have like a lot of things in the pipeline that I'm super excited about. Um, and I think that's really when, like when this wave now evolves to solve very meaningful problems, um, in, in, in products like TLDV, I think the adoption will again, like take another uh, skyrocket leap. Um, so I'm really excited actually for, for, for this because yeah, we have so much time to gain to focus on other, other uh, more urgent tasks than transcribing a meeting, going through again, highlighting the important moment, then 
downloading the recording and clipping it together and then writing a report and so on like this can all be done automated and, and we will happy to work on that for you yeah Right. Okay. Super cool. And I'm excited to see uh, what you're working on. And, and you just said um, uh, it could be easy, easier to to highlight the important um, parts of uh, of the meeting. And yeah, and I don't know. Maybe I just uh, haven't seen uh, it in TLDV yet, or or maybe it's it's not there. But I just thought. Um, yeah, it, it would be really, really cool to just like press a button uh, to make sure like this part of the tran um, transcription is like highlighted for me, right? And I can go to it right away. So are you doing this, something like this? Yeah, so we have two. Um, so the, the first two automation features that we have at TLDV, the first one is if you want to, you said this moment is important, you can hit a keyboard shortcut, press a button, and we will summarize it for you automatically. Um, and then um, it will be part in your email, you know, in Slack integration, HubSpot, etc. But you can also be fully hands off and we actually like just summarize everything for you. Um, the reason there's different user expectations, right? Uh, we need to augment AI with human input and to, to make sure that TLDB is a reliable service for everyone. And so we have these two modes, but uh, we also have like, for example, um, already like you can search for keywords across all your meetings, can filter which meetings it should search through, externals only, etc. And then we summarize also the, the results from all these meetings for you. So you can enter bugs and it would summarize you what is the most recent bugs that you had and, 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 and which meetings are talking about them. So like that's, that's the kind of three AI features that we currently have live for our customers. Okay. All right. That's exciting. Then, uh, you know, I should go back and kind of dig deeper into yeah. what you guys have there. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, thank you so much for, uh, for this conversation. Tons of insights. I will, I will go and check if you have a new TikTok video for me to watch, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it was great having you here and, uh, super excited to see what you have, um, prepared next. Awesome. Thank you so much for inviting me. And yes, definitely happy. If you have any feedback for us, always let me know. Um, if you have any relatable, funny work content, video ideas, also let us know. Um, happy to make some, some fun content with you. <laughs> sure. And uh, if, uh, if the listeners want to reach you or want to try TLDV, how to find you? tldv.io and from there you find the product for google meet or zoom you find uh, in the footer our social channels our blog um, and, and a lot of other useful resources to get started cool okay thank you so much rafael and uh, take care thank you you too bye bye that was yet another awesome conversation on SaaS unbound we're always looking for new guests to share their experiences. We mostly talk with bootstrapped SaaS founders. And if you're one, reach out to me directly at anna at saas.group or find me on LinkedIn. If you're not bootstrapped or even not SaaS, but have a great story to tell, we want to hear from you too. And obviously, SaaS Unbound wouldn't be possible without the SaaS group a founder-friendly private equity company that buys awesome businesses that people love to take them to even greater success. If you're thinking about selling your company or just exploring your options, feel free to visit saas.group, fill in the form, and expect a response in under 24 hours.